0: Welcome to the Treeleaf Zendo podcast. Treeleaf is a Soto Zen Sangha available anytime, anywhere at treeleaf.org. Come sit with us.
1: Master Dogen's Tenzo Kyokun, the instructions for the cook, are for all of us. It's another one of his writings from long ago that speaks to you and to me, to the cooks in the temple and the cooks in the family kitchen, to the computer programmers and the moms and dads, to the checkout person in the grocery. That's one of the lessons I want you to see is these words come from so many centuries ago. They come right here, you see. There's a wonderful perspective of Buddhism through all of this piece and all Master Dogen's writings and all our practice that whatever is being done is all the universe doing it and what is being done now is all time so you see when the cook was cooking in the temple in the 13th century or when the checkout person was checking out in the 21st century it's the whole universe checking out man the universe checking out the checking out that's to be checked out I got a proof for you of that, you know, people sometimes say, uh, is the universe intelligent and conscious? Of course it is, because you are, you see. What do you think you are? So when you program your computer, when you paint your painting, it's the whole universe. And that is the theme of the Tenzo Kyokun. If you're going to paint your painting or check out your groceries, do it well. Do it with care. See that it's a sacred and special doing because you know what is not a sacred and special doing in this world? Nothing. Well, nothing unless you think it's not special and sacred. And if you think it's special and sacred and you realize that and you realize that it's the whole universe flowing through you as you nurse your baby or stir your soup, for lunch, than it is. So with that in mind, let's read the first paragraph. And he's going to speak about ancient realized monks. And I want to hear it as something for all of us. Since ancient times, this office of the cook has been held by realized monks who have the mind of the way or by senior disciples who have roused the way-seeking mind. This work requires exerting the way. Those entrusted with this work, and by the way, fill in not only Cook here, but fill in computer programmer and translator and bus driver and mom and dad. Those entrusted with this work, but who lack the way-seeking mind will only cause and endure hardship despite all their efforts. The Zen monastic standard states, putting the mind of the way to work, serve carefully varied meals appropriate to each occasion and thus allow everyone to practice without hindrance. A couple of things to note here. First off, he speaks about this office being held by realized monks, but a better way to say it would be realizing monks or realizing you because realizing is not something you get in your head and then it stops. It's what you do now. It's how you drive the bus now, how you program the computer now, how you stir the soup now, you see. You can do it with a way seeking mind that realizes the specialness, the sacredness of this moment, or you can do it as just an obstacle, a job to get by. So I like better than realized individuals realizing individuals who are constantly seeking and bringing to life the way, you see, this is what you do. And it, what happens in one moment may not happen in the next one moment. You may do something in a good and sacred way. And the next moment, maybe not. And you're, you're filled with anger or you're filled with divided thinking. And it's up to you. It's up to you. You ever drive the car or stir the soup and, one time you're just at home and doing that and the next moment, your mind is a million different places. Your, your heart is is filled with worries. It's up to you. It's your heart. It's your mind that's doing that stirring the soup or doing whatever job you have to do is just the job. But the mind and the heart you bring into it is up to you, you see. The other thing you'll see about these instructions as we go through is that they're practical yet sacred, sacred, yet practical. He's giving practical pointers here. He's saying, if you listen, if you do a half-assed job, the monks are going to be hungry. The meal will be late. Your company will be uh, a disaster. Your office, your home will be a mess. Be careful. He's not asking for perfection, by the way. There may never be perfection. Have you ever cooked? Have you ever done a job yesterday? I was just repairing the driveway with stones and I miscalculated the number of stones. I had to go back to the store and get more stones to fix a hole in our driveway because I made a mistake. Nothing's ever perfect. Now, by the way, I think I put too many stones, but that's another topic. Every time my car goes over the solar, boom, I think now I have to take stones away. There's no job that's ever perfectly done, but try to be careful and realize that each stone is sacred. Each stone that you put, each stir, each push of the computer button, each click on the checkout register is sacred. Of course, your baby that you're nursing, your family, they're sacred. That's easy to to realize. So let's talk about his instructions for this cook. The cycle of one day and night begins following the noon meal. At that time, the Tenzo, that's the cook in the monastery, the Tenzo should go to the administrator and assistant administrator and procure the rice, vegetables and other ingredients for the next day's morning and noon meals. You see, even in a temple, big bureaucracy with middle management, upper management, you see. Having received these things, you must take care for them as you would the pupils of your own eyes. Thus, Zen master Bao Renyong said, care for the monastery's materials as if they were your own eyes. The Tenzo handles all food with respect, as if it were for the emperor. Both cooked and uncooked food should be cared for in this way. I don't think he's literally saying that you have to handle every fork in the kitchen as if it's your own eyes or every stone I put in the driveway I don't think I have to literally handle it as my own eye but you know the the Chinese and Japanese Zen masters would speak in a very florid way and what he meant was see it all as sacred you see it is the baby diaper you're changing sacred I used to make a little ritual when we changed our our son or daughter's diaper, I would bow and do it as if I was doing Oreoke with two hands, you know, proper positions, just like we do the mat, you see, and I would lift it, mm, smells good, and then put it down, you see, and then I would bow to the poop. See, everything is sacred ritual if you make it so. Now, I'm not saying that you have to do that every time you're cooking, but when you go into your kitchen, why don't you bow before you turn on the stove and get started? And when you're done with the cooking the meal, why don't you bow and say thank you with gratitude, even if you don't make it all a ceremony, you see? Even if you're just opening the instant rice and pouring it and adding water, it's a miracle. It's a miracle that you're alive to do that, you see? You, By the way, no... Well, they have actually instant rice here in Japan. I was going to say the Japanese would never eat instant rice, but really they do, really they do. That's another theme I want you to to get here, not all Japanese live this way. Not even all Japanese monks live this way all the time. If you go into the average temple, the family kitchen, and you open the closet, I bet you they got the instant noodles in there too, you see, and the frozen food in the freezer. They don't always, you know, monks don't always live like this. But there is a time in the monastery when we do oreo when we do the kitchen preparations, that every gesture, every motion we do is sacred. And that is what Master Dogen is speaking of here, even if you can't really live like this all the time, you know. Do not just leave washing the rice or preparing the vegetables to others, but use your own hands, your own eyes, your own sincerity. I always tell this to my teenage son. Do the job yourself. Don't wait for someone else to pick up your socks or clean your room, you see. Do not fragment your attention, but see what each moment calls for. If you take care of just one thing, then you will be careless of the other. Do not miss the opportunity of offering even a single drop into the ocean of merit or a grain atop the mountain of the roots of beneficial activity. Now, first off, again, this is practical instructions. They had Three meals a day to serve in the monastery. They still do. Actually, this is a funny thing. Two meals and one extra little meal we don't talk about. You see, in traditional South Asian Buddhism, you had to stop eating at noon. So the monks would get up about three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning, and they'd sit zazen, and then they'd have an early breakfast. And then just before noon, they'd have their big meal, you see. And you are not supposed to eat for the rest of the day, according to the Buddha's Vinay instructions. There are some exceptions. I think some places let you have a little honey. You can have some juice, but you're not supposed to have a meal. Well, when it came to Northern Asia, it was cold. So they said, well, we need to have an evening meal. And they usually, when you go to a Chinese monastery, for example, they bring out some noodles. You have a little noodles dish or some, some, uh, dumplings but they don't call it a meal. They call it medicine, medicine or stomach warming. So technically it's not a meal, but still the cook has to get three meals out a day. And to do this, as anyone who's worked in any business knows, any office, any family, you got to be on time. It can't be a disaster. You can't burn the toast. You know, you got How many monks in the monastery? 50, 100, 150 mouths to feed. You have to run it like a professional kitchen. That's what Master Dogen is saying here. Now, but notice one interesting phrase. He says, if you take care of just one thing, then you will be careless of the other. I thought Zen was all about doing one thing in one moment, you see. If you're stirring the soup, just stir the soup. Let the toast burn. Let the rice overflow. Just stir the soup. You're doing the one thing. No. If you're a cook in a Zen kitchen, you're multitasking, my friend, just like most of us in this busy, crazy world. There is a great misunderstanding in Zen that what you're or all of Buddhism that what you're supposed to do is just one thing in one moment. If you're drinking the tea, just drink the tea. Let the rest of the world go to hell. Yes, there is a time to do that. In South Asian practice, there's a kind of vipassana practice where you focus on doing one thing in one moment. When we sit zazen, there's nothing else. We're sitting zazen, there's nothing else. And when you're multitasking, it's the whole universe multitasking. Just be with that moment. When you have to do 10 jobs, when there's only time for five, it's the whole universe that has 10 jobs to do in the time it takes to do five. Just be with that, you see. To be an actual cook in the kitchen, that's what it requires. There's a difference between being in the moment, like I must do one thing and only this moment, and being in the moment, allowing the moment, letting it flow, no matter what that moment is, which may be just crazy chaos. If the world is crazy chaos with a million things going on and the phone is ringing and the salesman is knocking at the door and the kid is crying, that's your universe in that moment. Be there. You think everything in the monastery kitchen always went to plan? Every day was a different meal. Some days, what's wrong with this uh, omelet? It's not cooking. I don't know if they eat omelets in a Buddhist monastery, by the way. I don't think that's vegetarian enough. Usually they're eating vegetarian food, but you get my point. All right. Remember that obstacles, this is another theme here. Remember that obstacles are not obstacles. They're your life. They're gifts they're where this practice comes alive listen to this story be careful of sand when you wash the rice if you get uh, fresh rice here it comes in a bag it's filled from the ground it's filled with sand you have to wash the rice before you cook it otherwise you get crispy sandy rice with rice in your with sand in your teeth you see I know because I've done that <clears throat> not properly washing the rice my mother-in-law trained me, so that's not a problem anymore. But when I first tried, I first learned, I had sandy rice. So be careful of sand when you wash the rice. Be careful of the rice when you throw out the sand. She Feng once practiced this tenzo under Zen master Dongshan in the 9th century. Once when he was washing rice, Dongshan said, do you wash the sand away from the rice or the rice away from the sand? Feng said, I wash them both away together. Dongshan said, then what will the community eat? Feng knocked over the washing bowl. Dongshan said, and I think this is a criticism, "Uh, you should go and study with someone else too soon, and maybe we should get someone else to do the cooking. Now, what's the point here? Probably something like, you know, they're the good things in life and the obstacles. And you want to get the obstacles away and keep the good, the nurturing. The rice is an obstacle. It's uh, something we must get rid of to, to find the purity of the rice. But Dongshan said, no, no, I'm so beyond that. I'm so lost in emptiness that I'm just going to see beyond the rice, see beyond the sand until the great emptiness where it's all beyond good and bad nutritious or poison it's all beautiful and then and so the other guy says okay that's great buster sounds like good zen what are we going to have for lunch so the other guy knocked over the lunch no being lost in emptiness is not the practicality of the cooking the work you must do here and Know that the sand and the rice are really not two. Yes, we want to get rid of the sand to keep the good of the rice. But you know, it's all your life. It's all you must do now. See, don't hate the sand and love the rice. Get rid of the rice. Oops, I said it backwards. Get rid of the sand and keep the rice, but don't hate either. It's all what you need to do, you see. So in a monastery, too, we try not to waste. Keep the white water with which you have washed the rice. Do not wastefully discard it. In ancient times, they used a cloth bag to strain the white water and used it to boil the rice when making gruel. I just think that this is a statement by Master Dogen of a great simple environmentalism, something we all need to learn, you know, how much we throw away. Waste not, want not. The water that comes out, you know, when you strain the rice, there's a lot of starch in it. It's just starchy water. But my wife and my mother-in-law, they use it for a million things, including the laundry. You know, the sometimes my Buddhist column, collar, they take and they put that starch from the rice right on there. You see, or they can make various soups and other recipes with that. Or sometimes they just put it in the garden to nurture the flowers. You see. <clears throat> After cooking the vegetables for the morning meal. And before preparing rice and soup for the noon meal, bring together the rice pots and other utensils and make sure that everything is well ordered and clean. Put whatever goes to a high place in a high place and whatever goes in a low place in a low place so that high and low, everything settles in the place appropriate for it. Chopsticks for vegetables, ladles and all other tools should be chosen with great care, cleansed thoroughly and placed well. First off, this is just practical advice for a busy kitchen, is it not? If you've been to a professional kitchen, they don't want to spend hours searching for their knife, searching for the chopsticks. You reach out, there it is. You reach for the chopsticks, there it is. But a couple of cautions here. Well, let me add one thing. In China, there is the belief that everything has its own reason. I think we believe this too in in the West, that if you're going to use a computer, use it correctly. If you're going to use a fork, hold it at a knife or a fork, hold it at the right end so it doesn't stab you in the hand. You know, there's a right way and a wrong way. But they really, 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 really believe this in Asia. It's almost like an ideal image like Aristotle had of the universe is filled with the ideal fork and there's an ideal way to use it. And there's an ideal way to use a pot. Let me show you, for example, the bell here. If I ring it the right way, it makes a lovely sound, but if I ring it kind of the wrong way or it's makes a clunking sound. Well the Chinese and the Japanese too tend to believe that everything is like that. There's a right way to do it. We posted a video of uh, Zen in Europe and you see that there's a great emphasis on doing things with great precision. That's part of it too. Everything has a certain music that must be played in the right and harmonious way. Chopsticks must be placed in their right place. The high objects in the high place, the low objects in the low place, there's a, a, a reason to the universe. But let me tell you something. I represent the, the Inspector Columbo school of Zen. Remember Columbo? He was always a little frumpy and I mean, I was looking at myself today. I meant to iron my kessa, and I remembered, oh, you didn't iron your kessa this month. And I put it on there, and I'm really looking here like frumpy Colombo in my rumpy kessa today. And I'm a little unshaven. If you go in my kitchen, I and my son, we do the dishes most nights. I'm the one in charge of putting things in the drawer. I try to put the knives in the knife drawer and the forks in the fork drawer. But you know what? If you look in our kitchen, you're going to find knives with the forks and forks with the knives. And it's okay. It's okay. Not everything has to be precise if you do not wish. As long as you're in harmony with the moment and it's not a great obstacle to life. As a matter of fact, life is sometimes chaos. I would prefer that you flow and be in harmony with the chaos if it's not too bad. Now, if you really have dirty dishes piled up in the sink, you're going to get sick. If you never can find a knife when you need one, that's horrible inefficiency. But a little chaos. What's the problem? So I'm a little less precise than Master Dogen. If you go to a monastery, maybe everything has to be done. Bump, 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 bump. I'm for the Detective Columbo school of... Zen it's okay to you know kind of muddle through a little bit now my wife she's always changing the kitchen on me every time I go I don't know what this is she twice a week she moves this thing over here and that thing over here I'm looking for the coffee in the morning where's the coffee that's the new place for the coffee oh okay so I get the coffee two days later I go back no coffee there where I put the coffee over here I don't know what that is but I have to flow with that too. That's my universe. Yes, dear. Tomorrow the coffee will be in another place. When preparing the vegetables or ingredients for the soup, which you have received from the wares office, the storage house, do not disparage the quantity or quality, but instead handle everything with great care. Do not despair or complain about the quantity of the materials. Throughout the day and night, Practice the coming and going of things as arising in the mind, the mind turning and displaying itself as things. Just great advice for life. When life gives you lemons, make lemonade. Don't say that this is poor ingredients and these are rich ingredients. If I only had this, this would be wonderful. Use with care and cherish and bow to with gratitude what life gives you, even if it's rotten. If that's all you get, I'm not saying you want to eat rotten food every day. It'll make you sick. But I knew that uh, Bernie Glassman, they, at part of their street retreats, they have done dumpster searching. I believe if I remember the story and they went into the dumpster and it's amazing what comes out of restaurants and stores and they bow and they eat it. Sometimes, you know, it sounds terrible, but it's, healthy food. It's just the expiration date slightly passed or it didn't sell. They have too much quantity. They dump it. People go in and they bow. Most middle-class people, me, it makes me a little queasy to think about, but I know people who have done this practice. It nurtures life. It's not bad food. It's just what we in our modern society think is extra, excess, wasteful. Uh, It's two days over the expiration date. It's perfectly fine. It's not going to make you sick they bow with gratitude whatever life gives you bow with gratitude stop thinking about quantity stop thinking about quality there's a story that I believe is told elsewhere where some days they had lots of rice and they made a rich rice porridge every morning and had a great breakfast and some days the donations were a little scarce like me some days you know nobody shows up You do, you still do it with all your heart and mind, you know, for the people who do. And the point of the story was, if you all you have is porridge so thin that's basically water with a few grains of rice in it, thank you, it's delicious. You see, take what life gives you, okay. Let me move ahead. The Tenzo should always be present at the sink when the rice is being soaked and the water measured. Watching with clear eyes ensure that not a single grain is wasted. Washing it well, place it in the pots. Make a fire and boil it. An old teacher said, regard the cooking pots as your own head, the water as your own lifeblood. Again, everything. Everything. Everything is, is sacred, if you, if you see it this way. Do you see this microphone I'm speaking in here? Right? It's there every week. We need this microphone. Thank you. And everyone, Mr. Microphone, anyone tell you thank you before? Thank you. Sorry if I forgot to think that every day, and I just took you for granted. So much in your life. You see, the whole universe is here. Even the bad things are here. To make your life, Onkai, the door I see behind you—you need that door to walk through. Jonin, I see some pillows or something, some towels behind you. That's your life, you see. Shingen, I see a mirror, a window behind you with the sky. That lets you look through. You see. It's all sacred. It's all special. In preparing the food, never view it from the perspective of usual mind or on the basis of feeling tones. In other words, how you feel about it. Oh, I like this. This is really good. Oh, pizza again. Like that. No, no. That's a fancy way to say. Never view it from the perspective of usual mind or on the basis of feeling tones. Taking up a blade of grass erect magnificent monasteries. There's a story of a of the Buddha, I think he took a blade of grass, he put it in the ground, and it became a magnificent pagoda, you see. See each blade of grass as the whole universe, as a diamond, as a jewel, you see. Each grain of rice is a diamond, a jewel, that window, the door, the pillows, you, the Zafus behind me, this this whole world, jewels upon jewels, even the the things we don't welcome, you see. Taking up a blade of grass, erect magnificent monasteries. Turn the wheel of reality within a grain of dust. If you only have wild grasses with which to make a broth, do not disdain them. If you have ingredients for a creamy soup, do not be delighted. Where there is no attachment, there can be no aversion." Do not be careless with poor ingredients and do not depend on fine ingredients to do your work for you, but work with everything with the same sincerity. If you do not do so, then it is like changing your behavior according to the status of the person you meet. That is not how a student of the way should be. Yesterday, my wife had a flat tire. She got a nail in it. She took it to the shop. They fixed it. And it delayed her, kept her from getting home on time. She had had a busy day. Her mother's not feeling well. And she had a tiring day taking care of her mother and just wanted to get home. And there's a flat tire and a nail. And she could have gotten so mad at that nail. I know my wife. That nail is your life. That is the bitter ingredient that you're handed that day. Bow to it. Oh, we want to get the nail out of the tire. Oh, we want to get the tire rolling and back to home. And we will. But in the meantime, thank you, tire. Thank you, nail. Thank you, road. See, That's our attitude as Zen students. Stop thinking things as this is what I like. This is what I don't like. This is bitter. This is sweet. I have a sweet tooth. I don't like my spinach. This is the nail that gets in my way. This is the beautiful highway that I can roll down. Oh, yeah, we're human beings. You do that, too. I'm not saying, you know, you have to eat uh, poison and treat it. You know, there's a saying, that miso soup. You know the miso they make miso soup at? It looks like, pardon my language, it looks like the poo from my child's diaper. When you get it, really. So there's a saying in Japanese. Japanese have these wonderful sayings. They said, don't confuse your miso with the poo you see, because they look the same. So I'm not saying that you should treat the poo, even though it's sacred and you bow to it, as the miso, which you make your soup with. Of course, as human beings, we keep our miso and the soup apart. We keep our poison away, the rat poison away from the sugar. Of course we do. At least I hope we do. But as Zen students, we also treat it all as what it is. If life hands you poo that day, I'm not saying you should eat it, but that's what life has given you. Hopefully tomorrow it will be miso for the soup. That you, will still, that you still do not grasp the certainty of this principle is because your thinking scatters like wild horses. He's, by the way, recommending Zazen here to help you do all these tasks. That's what he's talking about, Zazen, where your mind is running like wild horses and monkeys, you see. That you still do not grasp the certainty of this principle is because your thinking scatters like wild horses and your emotions run wild like monkeys in a forest. If you can make those monkeys and horses just once, take the backward step that turns the light and shines it inward, then naturally you will be completely integrated. The monkey will lie down with the horse. The sheep will lie down with the lion. Your heart will settle, you see. And what seemed like a great task will suddenly seem like just what needs to be done. And the nail in the tire where you wanted to say, Oh, will just suddenly be something to bow to. And just what is, if the mind settles, you know, life changes. I've told you these stories many times, you know, being in the hospital bed. One minute, I don't want to be here. Let me hit that switch. It's fine. This is the place to be. There's no other place in the universe. This is my practice place. This is it. This is the whole universe in this bed. Next moment. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. This is Next moment. It's lovely. It's beautiful. See, we have the power within us to let the monkeys and the horses settle down and to turn that light and let it shine inward then naturally you will be completely integrated. Lovely word. This is the means by which we, who are ordinarily set into motion by things, become able to set things into motion. I think that means something like, instead of being a slave to what circumstances hand you, you're kind of master of the circumstances because you settle and let what is be is and just work from there, something like that. You got it? Life hands you crap, You can be, you know, overwhelmed by it. Crap, I'm drowning. Or just let it be, be the master of it, and just deal with the crap. Pardon my French today. I'm using all those words like crap and poo. Harmonizing and purifying yourself in this manner, do not lose either the one eye of transcendent wisdom, the emptiness, the wholeness beyond miso and poo, beyond nails and tires, you see, or the two eyes of discriminating consciousness. Ah, this is poo. We don't put the poo in the soup. Ah, this is a nail. We want to get the nail out of the tire. To be a Zen student, you need both. To see beyond the poo, beyond the miso, beyond the tire, beyond the nail. And also, nails are nails, tires are tires, poo is poo, and miso is miso. See both at once. That's all this is. Lifting a single piece of vegetable, make yourself into a six-foot body, a Buddha, and ask that six-foot body to prepare a single piece of vegetable. That vegetable is the universe that you cooking is the universe. The universe is cooking through you. You are the universe. You are the universe cooking the universe. Okay. Let's finish up here with a famous story that doesn't really need explaining except one thing here. This says, just accept things as they are. I wish this guy, I hope this guy was wearing sunscreen. You know, if you're going to do a job like this out in the hot sun, Still, you know, this is about the sacred is practical, the practical is sacred. Okay, out there sweating, working with the mushrooms like he's doing, wonderful. But listen, skin cancer is a real concern. Wear a hat. That's my only concern about this story. The rest of it is going to be very clear. Once when I was staying at Tiancheng Temple, a monk named Lu from Fu held the post, Lu from Fu held the post of Tenzo. Once, following the noon meal, I was walking along the eastern covered walkway when I came upon Lou in front of the Buddha hall, drying mushrooms in the sun. He had a bamboo stick in his hand and no hat covering his head. That's the part that gets to me. Put on a hat, Lou. You're no kid. You know, if Shokai was here, he just had on his ear, you know about that, right? Put on a hat, Lou. Okay. The heat of the sun was blazing on the paving stones. It looked very painful. His back was bent like a bow, and his eyebrows were as white as the feathers of a crane. I went up to the Tenzo and asked, how long have you been a monk? 68 years, he said. I guess that would make him at least in his 70s, late 70s, something like that. Why don't you have an assistant to do this for you? Other people are not me. Venerable sir, I can see how you follow the way through your work, but still, why do you do this now with the sun so hot? If not now, when? There was nothing else to say. And there's nothing else to say. But I will entertain a question or two. From the uh, Jonin? Yes, something?
0: Hello? Can you hear me? Yes. Yes, yes. Okay, um, just um, want just wanted to uh, share a little story. Uh, in our last retreat in San Francisco, I had the opportunity to spend the day with the Chan monks in the Wang Zengzi, um Temple. And they offered me lunch. I had lunch with them, with them, and uh, it was a great experience because uh, I have never been to, to China, and I had the um, opportunity to have um, monastic lunch with them. And it was amazing in the way that it was so simple and so plain that it was a full teaching uh, because you don't actually need your favor. And they do this because they don't want to create attachments to food. And it was very interesting the way they uh, lead their, their nutrition. They they're very careful with it, uh, but they tend to not to create uh, great culinary uh, ex- uh, um, experiences. They just eat because that's medicine to to their practice for their practice. So I adopted a couple of of ideas from there, and that's how we uh, make lunch here at home uh, with the less uh, explosive flavors as possible. And it's funny, the more simple and natural your food is, the better your health gets. So it's... um, it's, it was a great teaching because I learned uh, about uh, being mindful on how to prepare your meals and how you can actually take care of the health, health of others by preparing uh, good meals. So I, I guess um, this reading on the Tenzo of remind me of that.
1: I, I will uh, just uh add this uh, actually in in China uh and uh in the Japanese monasteries they avoid things like garlic and onions uh for a few reasons they were supposed to be stimulating you know uh actually they make you sexy they thought you see they didn't want that and, but um I think it's okay I think it's okay the other thing is the the uh not maybe not we don't want garlic when we're all sitting like this on the zafus. there you see there's also that practical you know you don't want to be now no comment uh, i was going to make a a statement about uh, no anyway you you want to be practical you're sitting next to someone so that's another reason not to do it now the the other thing is the diet in the actually the japanese monastery from a nutritional point of view may not actually be ideal It's the traditional belief about vegetarianism, but sometimes they may eat a little bit out of balance, too. So it's okay to modify it slightly, too. After eating all that rice in the monastery uh, for a a couple of weeks, you know, I I usually come out of there, how to say, pretty uh, stuffed, if you get my my check.
0: Thank you for joining us for the Tree Leaf Zendo podcast. Tree Leaf is an online practice place for people who cannot easily attend a Zen center due to health, location, work, childcare, or family needs. We provide netcast Zazen, retreats, discussion, jukai, the support of fellow practitioners, interaction with a teacher, and all other activities of a Zen Buddhist Sangha, all fully online, accessible anytime, anywhere, without charge. Come build the future of online Zen community and practice.